Hi, Reese here, author of the Strong Minds Positive Psychology Playbook, online course and podcast. This podcast is called You Don't Need to Motivate Good People, Just Stop Demotivating Them. Uh, most people that know me well also know that I have a, a real beef about lousy managers, lazy, ignorant or toxic ones especially, but also the masses of average managers, the mediocre ones who don't take the time to develop themselves so that they can in turn can better develop their people. And a question that always bugs me is, why is it that employers, i.e. bosses, managers, so often miss the mark in terms of understanding what it is their employees really want. If you're a young manager or aspiring future leader listening to this, the message within this podcast could serve you well and help you avoid the critical mistake that many managers that have gone before you have made and in fact still make. During some research I was doing for a project, change management project that I was running, I came across a piece of research that highlighted the gap in understanding between management and employees through a company called Taraki Motivation based in New York. Um, it was a few years ago and it shows the findings of a study conducted to identify what the things were most important to employees at work and what employers thought were most important to their employees. There were 10 key areas or rather values that came out as priorities and the top three for employees were as follows. Number one, full appreciation for work done. Number two, feeling in on things or inclusion. And number three, sympathetic help on personal problems. And guess where employers, i.e. management, had these same three values in their list of 10 priorities? Yep, you guessed it. They had them down at numbers 8, 9 and 10 which meant they thought uh, them to be the least important on the list of priorities that they thought employees valued. Having managed teams and sales channels, been responsible for the development of first-line managers, uh, leading step change projects, collaborating across multifunctional departments and business units, and in fact running a company myself, these findings really resonated with me. Why? Because from my exposure to such a wide range of situations, I noticed one common theme across the poor performing companies and teams. And that was how management and HR in a lot of cases too, so often get it wrong in terms of understanding what people valued and therefore motivated them at work. The uh, disparity in values from the study highlights this and I think the key message is even more true today than when it was first published many years ago. Namely, there's a disconnect between management and employees that hinders performance. For sure, uh, there are other considerations that affect performance, such as technical competencies. And these all make a difference, of course. But the overriding factor for teams that I've seen excel and stay as top performing teams or companies have been around empathy between management and employees, a mutual understanding and a respect based on aligned values. Ultimately, uh, I think we all instinctively know that the fundamental truths of how people want to be treated remain constant, don't we? As human beings and not commodities to be bought, sold or manipulated. 
Senior management teams will continue to set the vision and strategy for the business, but execution lies firmly with those employees dealing with customers on a day-to-day -day basis. For me, these are the true heroes of the business, and management need to invest more time understanding them. If they don't do this, then they're screwed, and it's likely the companies are screwed too. Uh, the classic phrase coined by Stephen Covey uh, springs to mind. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. A prime example of this is closely aligned to how I came to leave my corporate career after receiving a rather large bonus. Far from the money keeping me there, it actually helped me to move on to something new, more stimulating and personally challenging. I was working on an interim role for a business intelligence consultancy and a partner shared some insights with me for a well-known aerospace company that were comparing data insights, people insights with soft skills benefits. One of the key findings was that high-performing employees actually left the company after receiving a big bonus rather than staying with the company. It wasn't about the money and so in effect the payout became a freedom payment uh, instead. Uh, of what, or instead of what the business expected, would be a retention tool. As the old saying goes, high pay won't make people stay. And this is particularly true if employee values like those at the top of the list I mentioned earlier aren't being met. It's very simple. When people have enough money that they don't need to worry about money, other factors become the motivators, or in fact demotivators. And new managers or aspiring future leaders would do well to take heed of this factor and the findings of the study. With this in mind, all levels of management should take particular note in understanding the top three employee values on the list of what employees say they want, namely. Let's look at the number one. Full appreciation for work done well and not as an incentive or monetary reward, i.e. manipulation, but because it's genuinely appreciated and seen to be of value to the team, department or organisation as a whole. Instead, so many managers take it for granted and view it as this is what they get paid for anyway and hence miss the point and importantly miss the opportunity to show sincere gratitude. Sincere gratitude that inspires continued or improve performance in future. Number two, feeling in on things, inclusion. This doesn't mean you have to manage like a democracy where everyone has a, a say in the direction of the business or key decisions. It simply means that managers and leaders involve their people in some way, communicate with them, let them know what's going on, how they can contribute, providing a platform to voice their ideas, solutions, innovation. In effect, an open and honest exchange of information without fear of judgment or reprisals. And number three, which is a difficult one, a sympathetic help on personal problems. Um, this is because the whole person is coming into work and not two separate bodies. It can just mean listening, understanding and being sensitive to the impact that personal problems have on stress levels and the potential impact on productivity at work. It doesn't mean that management have to solve people's personal problems, but simply understand how to support people with the work-life balance side of things. For me, too many managers today uh, don't get these because they're too far removed from the trenches. They rely on data, 
uh, for insights and ignore the feelings that you get when speaking with investing time with the real heroes delivering customer service. I've heard it from managers I've coached and it echoes from some boardrooms too. This kind of fluffy stuff doesn't really make a difference or therefore matter actually. Or we already know the answers or in fact we're too busy um, to do anything about it. Frankly, all such attitudes stink. Yes, this fluffy soft skill stuff does work. You need to understand that you're not managing people, you're managing their emotions and their emotions are driven by their values, which may well be different to yours. No, you don't already know it. And I've worked for a few CEOs who assumed they did and they got it so wrong. One in particular accelerated the decline of the company rather than turn it around. Assuming you know and just surrounding yourself with numpty yes men or women won't challenge you. Uh, or Sorry, yes or numpty yes or no men or women uh, who won't challenge you isn't clever. It's plain ignorant and damaging. And as for the too busy bit, too busy doing what exactly? Sitting behind laptops, looking at dashboards, sending out emails, making check-up phone calls, and maybe just managing from spreadsheets. I've seen it so often. Managers hiding behind real work. So what's the alternative, or at least one of the alternatives, that could make the most difference in making step changes in performance in the short term? and Provide the springboard to an improved culture in the longer term. It's a bit radical, I know, but how about investing some time with your people and actually asking them for their feedback, their opinions, their ideas for a better working environment and better working relationships. Here's one example of how doing this created a step change in performance worth millions of pounds and which also broke down barriers between management and employees. I've been told that great managers and leaders have the courage to be called out. Become a manager that has the courage to be called out by the people that matter most, your people, uh, as a way to improve yourself, to improve them, and ultimately to improve collective results. This is a real life example. A team of over two dozen sales managers took part in a coaching program where they're asked to rate themselves, i.e. their self-image, against core competencies, and then have their people, i.e. reality, rate them. I won't go through the uh, full detailed mechanics, but from this exercise, key development uh, areas are identified. The sales managers enlist the help of their people to keep them on track, but also they identify areas that their direct reports can improve on too. The result is collaboration, morale, productivity and culture all improved at lightning speed. And sales revenues improved by 9% which was equivalent to over four million on the bottom line for the business. Interestingly though, the majority of the improvement came from the 60% of previously middle performing managers and their teams and not the top 20% of performers or the bottom 20% of performers. This middle uh, 60% are often the very group that gets ignored by managers and management who spend most of their time praising the top 20% and trying to move out the bottom 20%. And yet, it's this 60% group that can offer some of the best opportunities for business improvement and growth, and even competitive advantage. 
you can uh, read one of my previous articles on this subject called Here's to the Quiet Ones Who Make a Difference. Uh, for more details about the competitive advantage of developing the 60%, you'll find it in my blogs on my website, www.reespie.com. Uh, going back to um, the example of the uh, two dozen uh, sales managers, uh, I must be honest, there were some reservations from some managers at the start uh, of the program who were a bit concerned about asking their people to rate them because they deemed it a managed job to be uh, doing the, uh, the rating and making the judgments. Emotions ran high with some of these managers as their egos were going to be challenged too. But frankly, these had to be put aside for the benefits of the bigger picture which was a critically needed turnaround in performance. And this meant a wholly collective contribution rather than relying on just a few to join in. Even so, there was still some early resistance to this exercise from some of the managers who had or who made lukewarm attempts to get involved instead of immersing themselves into the initiative. Um, these were overcome partly by coaching uh, and support of the change manager but more so because of the results that other managers were getting. The change manager even got calls from these reluctant managers later on in the program saying how inspired their teams felt and feedback they received from the people like, have you had a brain or a heart transplant or something? <laughs> As the changes were so uh, impactful on both sides. Individual reports of previously poor performing people, i.e. demotivated by lack of management empathy perhaps, came flooding in about how they suddenly hit targets even though their technical competence hadn't changed. So I have a, a question for you, or more like a challenge if you like, if you courage in this respect, if you're up for it. Firstly, how would you rate your management or leadership skills on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being absolutely top-notch, against competencies like organisation, planning, communication, delegation, coaching, counselling, directing, supporting, problem-solving, decision-making, inclusion and team participation, giving sincere praise and recognition, stress management, motivating, inspiring, integrity, empathy, judgment, or any others relevant to your role. And then two, secondly, are you courageous enough to ask your people to rate you and what they value most from you as a manager, or in fact, value least? In doing this, you'll find out what drives your people to be and do more. Well, they value most, and it may differ person to person, which is why one-to-one -one management is so critical, and also what you may be doing or not doing that demotivates them and stops them giving their best. For as long as I can remember, I've had the view that you don't need to motivate good people, just stop demotivating them, and you'll get better work and better results. I'm not sure if I read it, heard it or created it myself as a result of stimulation from all the material I studied to help me get where I wanted to be. Uh, but either way, it's ingrained in me and it's served the people who've worked for me and with me well. The uh, absence of understanding in business as to what employees want and importantly what demotivates them for me is a major factor in underperformance. We need to remember that as human beings, we're all different. We can't assume uh, one fix fits all. For example, grouping generations like millennials or baby boomers into lumps and treating them all the same isn't the answer. 
Employers, i.e. managers at all levels, must do their own ongoing or regular research and not rely on cosmetic company employee surveys or HR data. With this in mind, managers must seek ongoing feedback as a kind of temperature gauge, if you like, of how they and their teams are doing, i.e. get close to your people and stay close. They'll reward you for it handsomely with great results if you do this. Uh, in this respect, the climate and culture of the business will positively be impacted when research and feedback is done correctly because you're able to see ways to eliminate the psychological barriers to success i.e. the demotivators. In conclusion, A, employers, i.e. this means managers at all levels, must invest time truly understanding what helps drive people to go out of their way to do good work and with a balance between data analytics and manager-by-manager manager feedback. And get HR in the trenches too, because too many people in HR have always been in HR and never done a, a proper job, if you'll excuse the expression. They can't get true empathy from just listening to management. B, develop employees so they get better at explaining to employers, i.e. their managers, what they value and what a difference it will make to them and how they work. Some managers will obviously find this harder than others, but they simply must drop their egos and open themselves up if they want to be better. Just to add to, to this particular point, it's been said that you've got uh, no griping rights if you don't speak up, but I also know that many people listening to this will work for utterly terrible bosses, bosses that they can't talk to, uh, and I've had my fair share of these too. I've stood up against some of these, and it's backfired on occasion, sometimes big time. So beware rather than be cowardly about it. Choosing uh, your battles and how to go about giving feedback to less than desirable bosses is a bit of a minefield. And I could record a whole new podcast about how to deal with these kind of situations and uh, idiot bosses. In fact, I may do, but I'll leave that for uh, another day. In effect, though, consider the plus and minus consequences before deciding what kind of feedback and how to give feedback to your managers. As a final shot, before I close this podcast, let me say that this is about a special kind of AI, not artificial intelligence, but attitude intelligence that runs far deeper than the typical set of soft skills that everybody knows about, such as emotional intelligence, uh, even though they may not use it. It's about management morals, ethics, professionalism when dealing with and treating people who work for you. I'm developing a, a course and a workshop around such principles and management AI uh, attitude intelligence so stay tuned but in the meantime thanks for listening to this podcast and if you think i might be of uh, some help to you in future check out my website www.reesepie.com you can email me direct at reesepie at reesepie.com or connect with me on any social channels all links are on my website in the meantime thanks again for listening and all the best to you this is reese signing off Thank you.